The Three Down Green Cast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brew. Well, welcome to a new year here on the Three Down Greencast. As if you haven't noticed, it's also a new year for Three Down Nation. A little bit of a new structure, a new look to the website, and uh, can't divulge on much of the details as, uh, well, frankly, Drew hasn't really let me in on a whole lot of them just yet. Uh, A lot of new exciting stuff coming to Three Down Nation this year. Uh, But uh, not everything has changed as, uh, unfortunately, I still have the same co-host, John Fraser. Woohoo! I am still employed, even though I don't get paid. Yeah, that that part I still has, haven't seen our sponsorship here. That part has not changed. And, um, while some of us now have ownership in this website, John continues to get nothing, which it, it's which true. is his, have, which is his appropriate compensation for the amount of work he does. So, it's it, <laughs> I, this this week, New Year, New Me. I have my laptop open on my lap. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. Is that like, so I, was I, that like I, your New Year's resolution? I'm going to use a laptop on my lap. That That's right. I'm going to use it on my lap while I do the podcast so I can look stuff up and not force you to edit things when I screw up constantly and you make me sound smarter. Again, I don't quite know why you keep me around, but sure glad you do. Love talking to footballs with you, my friend. Ah, uh, well, you know, someone's got to make me look like I kind of know what I'm talking about because, well, I th- we really should go back one day and listen back to the old episodes and find out your actual record for your hot takes because I believe you're probably Ooh. well below the Mendoza line. Oh, okay, so far <laughs> below the Mendoza line. But I'm going to keep spitting them out because that's what I do. Absolutely, and uh, we'll probably have a few more this episode. I know I have a couple, that, uh, a couple ideas that I kind of want to spring on some people as... Uh, we head into the 2019 season, I guess, unofficially season two of the Three Down Greencast right now, even though we've never really labeled episodes by numbers or anything like that. I just kind of come up with a name because who really needs to keep track of episode numbers? There's there's really no point in anything like this. Uh, so we're going to get into the Chris Jones extension. We've kind of been putting off this episode for about a week now because there was uh, different things, reasons and stuff going on. And uh, then earlier in the week, there was the report from Arash Madani and Dave Naylor that Chris Jones is going to sign this extension. So we're like, okay, well, rather than talking about the hypotheticals of what might happen to Chris Jones, let's actually talk about what happens to Chris Jones. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into we that. We did it. Which, of course, naturally bleeds into Saskatchewan's favorite topic, quarterbacks, and what they should do, and where <laughs> they might go with that, and what that all means. I'll talk a little bit about Jordan Williams-Lambert, free agency in general, and uh, whatever else may come to our minds at this point. And, uh, but something that has not changed, once again, we, we still love our local Saskatchewan beer. We still love nice craft beer. So, uh, John, what's in the glass for the first episode of 2019? Well, I finally joined the um, the Howler Club. I was about to call it a Growler, but then you corrected me. The Growler is the two-liter version, and the Howler is the one-liter. I went out and got myself a Howler of the Pile of Bones Red Ale. I've always been a bit of a red guy. I don't know how it took me this long to try it. It is delightful. It warms the heart, warms the bones. A real good winter beer. I would dare declare it my beer of the winter. That's uh, that's fair. It's it's. I don't know what that is. 
Daddy's talking about beer, Max. You go. You go play with Mama. Close the door, okay? Okay, yes. Lock it. Okay, Iron Man. Okay, there. You lock the door. Thanks, buddy. I thought you said you were safe in the bedroom. <laughs> I thought I was. And then all of a sudden, he walks in. And he's, he's, like, being all sneaky and quiet. And he walks up and gives me a hug. I'm like, okay, he just wants a hug. And then he covers his ears as I'm talking. And then, I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, that's good that he doesn't know what that is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Even though, funny story, one of my one of my friends has always remarked, uh, one of my former coworkers, Jason, he said in the past that the first time he met my son was in the Lounge of a Curling Club. And every time he's actually seen my oldest son, He's been in the lounge of a curling club, so maybe maybe he's gonna learn earlier than I expect. Well, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I suppose. Uh, for me, it's funny how we always tend to do this. No, I don't have the pile of bones red, but uh, I do have a nice glass of Rebellion Amber as I decided to pick up a four-pack of that the other day. And uh, it's a beer I thoroughly always enjoy. And, like, you uh, definitely like the red beers over the course of the winter. Uh, the pile of bones red. And it's a little hoppier than some other reds, which I find really delightful at times. So I kind of go back and forth between the two of those and maybe the odd Nokomis Brown or some other seasonals that happen to exist throughout the course of the winter. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, you need that. You need that, like, warm rich feeling like i'm not a stout guy at all i i can never go as far as a stout but like a good red or a good dark come the winter and then come summertime it'll probably be as usual every second episode of pile of bones white ipa for me yeah that probably goes without saying i'll be going back into some lighter sours but uh i drink sours and well i drink everything all year round though i don't do a whole lot of dark in the summer it can, yeah, that can be tough that's the only one that i kind of and more seasonal on because I will drink a nice stout or porter in the winter as well. So there was the news a couple of days ago as we're recording here on Wednesday night, or I guess yesterday, that uh, Chris Jones has signed a one-year extension with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. News that shouldn't be too surprising if you were paying attention on Monday when uh, the reports started mm-hmm. breaking that uh, Jones was set to sign the extension. And uh, I had written the piece on Sunday for, well, I wrote it a while ago for 3 Donation. It got posted on Sunday. That what was going to happen with Chris Jones is going to answer some of the biggest questions facing the Riders in 2019. And I thought of the piece because there's been a lot of talk since the season ended that it's all about, well, the Riders need to find a quarterback. The Riders need to find a quarterback. I think I saw on CFL.ca, you know, they had a resolution for every team this year. And for the Riders, it was finding a quarterback and finding a quarterback. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. It's important. Yes, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders absolutely need to find a quarterback this year. But how they went about it was going to depend entirely on what happened with Chris Jones because he is, or was, heading into the final year of his contract. And then it really started to kick into gear when there was the rumors from uh, Jason Lankanfora out of uh, CBS in the United States about uh, a few teams looking into Chris Jones. And Jones has since said that he didn't personally have any contact, but they talked to some of his friends. So clearly just early stuff, as we all kind of expected. But I guess you couldn't rule out that possibility until he actually signed the extension. And if that happened, then it was a complete, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, we can go in any sort of different direction. Probably Jeremy O'Day is the GM and it's, you know, they're building toward the future again. If they kept yeah. him on, 
they kept him on, then it's it's 2013 all year again without an extension, and it's just he's going all in. Here's you know 900k for Mike Riley on one year. Let's go do this. Or yeah. he signs an extension, and my thought was probably maybe more of a two-year in hopes of getting to that possible 2020 Grey Cup, though I don't think they're going to host it. And then that gives Chris Jones a little bit of rope, a little bit of room to wiggle and say, okay, I'm not just focused on this year, focus on the next couple of years. And while that is true with the one-year extension, I don't feel like one year really changes a whole lot in the grand scheme of things in terms of how... Chris Jones is probably going to approach this build this year, especially when like three quarters of the league is a free agent. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. Joel. I would, I would even go as far as saying one year could be a disaster. A one year extension for Jones could be a disaster for the long term health of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the field because, and this, and I would feel differently if if O'Day was the GM and Jones was just the coach, but. Is it not right now in, in, in the best interest of the man who's in charge of personnel, coaching, defense, everything, popcorn sales, you name it, to succeed now and look really good towards one of those positions he's been rumored for, whether that's an NFL coordinator job or an NCAA head coach, right? And that kind of worries me. You and I are both you know fans of the long sustained success of of being the calgary stampeders and that's with the bill of goods that uh, this province was sold when they brought chris jones aboard that they want long continued and sustained success but now this is a team that their head man is being mentioned in nfl circles and let's face it the nfl and the ncaa are very very fickle and if the riders have a down year I think that attention goes away. So the thing that worries me is this could be 2013 all over again. You know, what's I mean, if it's in the, the team's best interest to win short term and it matches up with Jones's best interest to win short term, maybe we do see something bananas like Mike Riley, a million dollars for a season or something like that to get them and Jones over the hump. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly possible. Like, I, I don't know if it's quite to the extreme of 2013 All-In because they're not hosting the Grey Cup, the last one ever at a, at a historic stadium. And a lot of things still have right. to go right in that season for them to get to that point. Um, and, and I think it is to be mentioned to a degree, especially in the era of one-year contracts in the CFL, and I mentioned this in my piece after the Chris Jones extension, that you can only build so much towards the future now in the CFL with how short contracts are. A lot of it is year to year. And especially after you like, you get your rookies for a couple of years. And then after that, it's you're basically paying guys year to year and you see what happens. And so, you know, there's only so much building you really can do. But I think in terms of the quarterback, that's really the spot where you need to try and do that. And is the incentive still there for him to do it? Maybe a little. Maybe a little, because as you mentioned, if he does have a bit of a down year, the you know the, the investigation into him as a possible option down south probably cools off a little bit. But based on his trajectory and based on his resume, this shouldn't be really too big of a surprise. I remember when he first arrived in Saskatchewan, I was at his introductory to his conference. I still work for Rocco at the time. And I asked him about his aspirations mm-hmm. of going south then. Because I think at that point, even his resume, you could see he probably could have got like a some kind of position coach or maybe even a DC spot in the NFL at that time. Even I don't think that that's far out of the possibility. So I don't remember exactly his answer. He kind of brushed it off and more of a, you know, I'm here to win now, blah, 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 blah. 
he might have left the door open a little bit, but regardless, you know, I, I it's probably always been something that he wants to do, and I you can't blame the guy for wanting to do that, frankly. No. And I think it's going to happen one way or the other. And, you know, as I wrote in the piece, I don't know if his GM skills are really that important right now. And I know he's the, he's setting up his coach for success, but if he can coach his guys no matter yeah. who they have, that will look good on him going downward because he already has the resume. He has the resume to go down yeah. there whether they win 10, 11, 12 games this year or not, I think. And they're not too worried about his player personnel decisions down there just yet because he is certainly not qualified to do that in the NFL just yet. Um, but no, this brings me to a point, though, that I, a thought that I've been having for a little while about Chris Jones. And that's that I think, and I've had this take for a little while in my head, I've told a few people a little bit, but I haven't really been on the record. I was kind of on the record in one of my pieces this week for it that I think this is his last year in the CFL. And not... Not because I yeah. think they're going to bottom out and he's no one's going to want him again or anything like that or some kind of dirt comes out on him or anything like that. I just I think there's a, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, his resume says that he's ready to be a, some kind of coach in the United States. So if for some reason the yeah. bottom does fall out on this thing and they decide to go in a different direction, he's probably heading back down there anyway. Maybe not as a head coach, but he certainly can get a job yeah. somewhere in the United States, whether it's the NFL or the NCAA or heck, maybe even the AAF. Who knows? That certainly, I think, is something that's going to happen one way or the other. More likely, the outcome is they have a pretty good year, and he gets his shot down south at a pretty significant job. And so I think number one reason why alone, he's probably going down after this year. And that's why there's the out clause, which most guys have. And I know there were some players asking about, well, how come players aren't allowed to do that, but coaches are? Well, it's because the coaches, they're hired more as private contractors, so their contracts are basically worth nothing. And the players, as much as their contracts are worth nothing or more, employees of the team. It's it's structured a little differently, and that's why that's sort of allowed to happen. And I yeah. think the other reason, and it's not, it's been floated a little bit and talked about a little bit, and it's, I, I don't, I, he hasn't really come out and like said it, said it. I really don't think he likes the player personnel cap, and I think that's going to be something that he's going to be like, do I really want to deal with this? Not really. Yeah, and and that's fair. I mean, if you if he does end up as the head man at a big NCAA school, I mean, the player personnel cap is not well, going to exist down there. Well, yeah, especially you don't have to pay your players, right? So, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he can he can spend all he wants in a coaching staff down there. You're right with your free labor, and even it, it, hell, he could end up in the NFL as a as a coordinator and have eight defensive assistants working under him. I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but. I think you're right. His resume does say I'm ready to go down south. And I'm going to be interested, too, and this is early, early talk, because we don't know what the next CBA is going to look like. But no. I'd imagine the teams probably want a little bit more control of their players, make them a little bit more marketable, things like that. But, uh, pardon me, I still think... For Jones and the Riders, this is going to be very much uh, an all-in year. Like I, I, I think they'll find some way to to take the best advantage of it. Because I'm with you. If this is Chris Chris Jones's last year in the CFL, I think he wants to win. I mean, he he, he probably knows he's heading down south. The attention started boiling up. He's probably got the potential to go down there. But what better way to really you know, 
prove your worth and and increase your market for yourself and to go out on, on top with a win. And I think I think Chris Jones can do that. We still doubt him as a player personnel man and and his ability ability to develop. But I mean, he has found. I mean, he's he's gotten lucky a couple of. I shouldn't say gotten lucky a couple of times. He has found some guys like. Jordan Williams Lambert. I mean, he can't develop a quarterback to save his life, but I mean, his defenses are always, always so good. So, and he's not I alone hope... in the quarterback problem in this league. Like, let's be fair on that. He's not the only oh, guy oh, that no. hasn't found one. <laughs> a- absolutely not. And I think too, you know, we, we paint this picture of long-term health for the Riders becoming the next Calgary Stampeders and, and things like that. Now, I'd be interested to see because I know my take, and, and I'll ask you in a second. If you were to tell, if you had a crystal ball, you could predict the future. And you told fans that, hey, 2013 is going to happen again. We're going to win, but then we're going to suck. Or do you just say, yeah, we're going to be okay, but we're not going to win over the next five years. I know myself, especially as a Winnipeg fan that's dying to see that team win a Grey Cup. Well, they, also, they, didn't just, they one... weren't just okay for a while. They sucked for a while too, right? So that's the difference. Oh, oh, they were, <laughs> oh, yeah, they were catastrophically bad for a while. But... And, and I guess same question for you. I would I would rather see my team win a championship one year and just be crap for three or four years after that than see my team be close and never reach over the hump. Now I ask you, Joel, mm-hmm. what would what would be your preference? One year championship followed by painful, painful years, or good but not great for a long time. It's a really tough question to answer because in my sports fandom outside of the CFL, I've kind of gone through it. I went through those Ottawa Senators 2000s teams that probably should have won at least a couple of Stanley Cups, and that was heartbreaking, and that sucked to go through that every year. But at the same time, to 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 consistently be there and have a shot is fun. It's good. It's good to have that consistent team, especially now going through it because they suck. And I don't even care about them anymore, frankly. I haven't watched a single <laughs> game this season. So, well, well and that's, large, that's largely because of the owner. Yeah, though. well, yeah, I mean, of if course, If this team yes. had a competent owner, uh, but they were crap, you'd still be watching the occasional game, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd probably be watching every game for the most part. And yeah. at the same time, you know, I've gone through a couple of Steelers Super Bowls, and usually they follow that up with the year after with missing the playoffs, and then they tend to, you know, muddle around for a little bit and just barely make the playoffs. So I've kind of been through both ends, and... I don't really know if there's really a good answer to it. I, I yeah. think ultimately you probably do take the championship because it happens so rarely, but at the same time, there is something soothing in knowing that at least as an entertainment product, your team is going to be pretty good every year and that you're not yeah. really wasting your time for a couple of years, essentially, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, and I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah, so I don't really know if there's an answer, but I think right now we're up against it in terms of the Chris Jones era in Saskatchewan, as as we've yeah. talked about. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and what happens with this, because you do get the feeling that it's going to be a pretty big year. It's going to be a year where there's going to be a lot of change in the CFL, and it looks like Calgary especially, it looks like Calgary, and surprisingly Edmonton, for as bad as they were, are just losing guys yeah. left, right, and center. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, all this talk about what they're going to do and what might happen and how good they need to be and all this, none of this really matters now if they can't find a quarterback. Because we we saw it last year, not that Zach Caleros is bad per se, but he, he's not the quarterback for this team. I think we, I think we figured no. that out. Though Jones didn't really close the door on both him and Brandon Bridge back this season, I, I, I can't see it. 
I can't especially see Zach Claros back. Maybe Brandon Bridge if there's no other options and no one yeah. really because I, there was a lot of – with Bridge, I've talked about it a bit. There's a bit – I felt it was a bit – okay, he took a slide, but it felt like there was some weird coaching around him as well that I'm not really sure. Yeah. It was kind of a combination of things that I led to Bridge taking a step back. Not so much he was just bad. I felt he wasn't put in a, a spot to succeed like he was the year yeah. before with Kevin Glenn. So at the same time, I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he should come back. I think he needs a fresh start. Get another look at from someone else, somewhere else. Maybe BC is a good fit for him because he seemed to have a good fit with Jerry's Jackson and those guys before. So maybe that works for him there. Um, the question is, what do they do? And yeah. as much as you we talk about Mike Riley, I, I, I can't imagine Chris Jones at the end of the day is actually going to spend big money on a quarterback because I don't think that's in his DNA. I think Claros is kind of his cap in terms of what he wants to spend on a quarterback because we saw it in with Bridge and with Glenn. If you get cheap enough quarterbacking that's pretty good, you can still have a good team with an outstanding defense and weapons to help out that quarterback. So... It, and then the names come up. I don't know if he's really an answer in Jonathan Jennings, but that's really the only guy that stands out unless you think you can get Pipkin out of Montreal and you think maybe he's got something to him. You know, so there's a few different directions they can go, but there's no one really that like wows you off the page unless you somehow can land Mike Riley, which I don't think they will because number one, the cap, and number two, I don't know if he and Jones really mesh that well systematically. So. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's just, it's a fascinating answer that we don't a fascinating question that we just don't have an answer to yet, and we might not for a while, depending on how the CBA plays out. Well, and that's exactly it. I, and I think let's assume that Bo Levi Mitchell sticks in the NFL for at least you the know, start of the season. Work? Yeah, he, he at least gets exactly. to, he gets to at least to the end of the camp, so he's not in the league till after Labor Day. It, exactly. So. If you're any team in the West, I mean, outside of, I mean, let's face it, look at the West Division. You got Matt Nichols and three vacant spots yep. right now. You know, well, Mike Riley's going to end up in one of those spots, I think. I think he's staying in the West. He's probably, if I had to put money down, he's staying in Edmonton or he's going to BC, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree, but does Toronto take a run at him? Yeah, I think they're. Too, I, I think they're. I think they're in too much of a rebuild there. Right, but I mean, still, there's. They can probably put the money on the table to try to at least draw some draw some ice drive some fans. I mean, Ottawa seems happy with 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 Harris and and obviously what Mazzoli did in Hamilton last year. The Alouettes are committed to Manziel to sell tickets, but and they have another twelve try, quarterbacks in camp again. So that's true. I mean, like they always do. Um, but the thing is, the thing is for me too is with the signing of Mike Riley. Unless you're going to do something bonkers like a one year, nine, we keep seeing one year nine hundred grand. Maybe that's what it takes for Mike Riley. I, there's going to be a bidding war between all three of those teams if Bo Le, Levi Mitchell sticks down south. Hmm. Which, which I read someplace that basically the Stampeders have, as much as Bo says, yeah, if I don't stick in the in in the U.S., I'm coming back to Canada, and the Stamps are going, yeah, no, we'll, we'll take you back with open arms. I also read someplace on Twitter that the Stamps have said, okay, so what you doing there, bud? Yeah, cool. They've and... had the meetings this week, and I believe it was Danny Austin who wrote the piece with Post Media and asked him a question, and they basically said, we want an answer from you before free agency, which I think is fair. Yeah. 
I think that's a fair response. Yeah. And by then, and it seems like right now, Bo Levi Mitchell is waiting out who's going to be hired as all the coaches in all these places. And that's yeah. that's slowly starting to happen. We're seeing more names coming out. Sidebar, I can't believe Adam Gase got another job. But anyway. And, <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, okay, so he's waiting for that to play out, which I believe is fair or makes sense. He's very being very methodical about this, and that's why I think it's going to work out for him. Yeah, no, and I would I would certainly agree. I, I, I was reading a piece um, on his most likely landing spots, and I know he worked out with the Jacksonville Jaguars, whose quarterback situation is an absolute gong show right now. So to me, that might be his best his best chance to stick. But if he doesn't stick, you know, all the teams in the West, nobody's really saying we're in a rebuild. Everybody's kind of in win-now mode, despite, mm-hmm. you know, the record of Edmonton and things like that. But uh, that was largely because of the amount of injuries that that, that they had, I think. But yeah. I think there's going to be just a monumental bidding war for Mike Riley. And I think that's good. That more than anything will rule him out of playing for Saskatchewan. Unless you see something zany, like he really wants to be there, which I don't really get the impression that he's one of those guys that wants to come and, and, and play in Ryderville. He's just never really come out and, and said it, or he's not a Canadian guy or anything like that. Right. So I, I don't think it's necessarily that he's against playing for Saskatchewan. Oh, just, I didn't mean against. Yeah, I okay. just mean he doesn't have that. That, Yeah, not against playing for Saskatchewan. It's just you seem to get the fit of, of guys that, that want to be there. You know, guys like uh, Deron Carter seemed like a guy who would fit because of the, the spotlight and everything you get here in this province and, and things like that. Um, even Johnny Manziel seems to me like the kind of guy that would want to play in Saskatchewan because, you know, it's the media capital for football here in Canada. So... I just Mike Riley seems like just his personality seems seems like a good guy seems a little more chill not a me 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 kind of guy so I don't know if he's one of those guys that's seeking the spotlight that would come with being the starting quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders now if the money's right and the situation's right I absolutely believe he would want to be here I just don't think he's going to come and seek it out no he he might not seek it out but I don't know if that's the reason why I think it's more he's been with his coaching staff and he knows what they're about. And not that there's anything personal there or anything. It's just, if you look at, I think if you just look at his numbers since he's been under Jason Moss and that offense versus Stephen McAdoo's offense, it's night and day. Like, he was good there, yeah. but he's taken off under this new system that they have at Edmonton. And I think that's a better suit for him. We'll see what the system looks like in BC in terms of what they're doing. But he, he's been there. He knows what that. He knows that city. He knows that franchise a bit. So... You know, there's a bit of a reason for him to go there. So those are kind of the two options at play. Um, one surprise... Well, and, I... and, and, you br- and you brought something up there, Joel, that uh, that had kind of slipped my mind, is Stephen McAdoo. That mm-hmm. is one guy I'm surprised is sticking around because I, I think uh, that you do not find an offense much more vanilla. You, yeah. you can argue that he didn't have the playmakers. Yeah. But if you're a quarterback and you watched on film what Stephen McAdoo did with that system and for your own personal numbers, do you want to play in that system? Probably not. But exactly. at, the, at the same time, that there was never a shot that Steve McAdoo was not going to be with the Riders in 2019. Chris Jones said, yeah. that's his guy. Like they're, they've been together since he's been a head coach. They've worked together so many times that I even, the thought crossed my mind that I was like, oh my goodness, if Chris Jones get an NFL job, does that mean Stephen McAdoo is going to become an NFL offensive coordinator? 
<laughs> like, could you imagine the people around here losing their minds? Because Chris Jones, well, number one, because Chris Jones leaves to coach the Green Bay Packers, and then Stephen McAdoo is an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Well, I, I, I we, we'd all get to see how well Aaron Rodgers can throw an eight-yard pass when you need ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one guy who is taking his shot in the NFL, and it's a, a name we didn't anticipate early in the offseason as soon as the Riders were done because, well, we assumed he was under a rookie contract and he would be back with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2019 because it's a two-year deal. Well, it turned, it turned out he basically had an unregistered agent. He got a new agent that is registered with the league and he's able to file a grievance and was able to get himself an NFL window opportunity out of it. That's, of course, Jordan Williams-Lambert. So when that mm-hmm. when that news broke, uh, yeah, and he started getting some workouts. Well, okay, now it's not so surprising that he's uh, down in the NFL. But at the t- you know looking back a couple of months ago, I don't think anyone would have predicted this was going to happen. And uh, here we no. are. And as much as it's you know, there's been a, a lot of NFL guys signing the NFL, and we'll get to that in a second. This is the one that stands out because of how it's happened, especially here in Saskatchewan. And compared to pending free agents, when you lose a guy you are expecting to have next season, that's a pretty big change. That's going to be a very big adjustment for Stephen McAdoo because you could argue that Jordan Williams-Lambert had a shot at being the Riders' top receiver next season. No, oh, I, I think he would have been the focal point of that offense next year. And it goes back to a point that you made now. The Riders, I'm assuming, are smart enough to have a plan A and plan B in terms of the offseason. I would imagine plan A is find great quarterback sign and maybe you take a hit in the receiving core that's going to look brand new again. Or maybe plan B is, okay, we get a decent quarterback. We're losing Jordan Williams-Lambert. Maybe they surround the quarterback to be named later with more talent. Uh, Because I I think you're right. This is a loss that the Riders will feel a little bit more because they weren't really prepared for it. I'm sure they knew that there was some sniff of this, but... Jordan Williams Lambert strikes he looks like an NFL receiver. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got the huge hands, he's big guy, big reach, you know, <laughs> speedy. He strikes me as the kind of guy like okay, he's going to like I'm already assuming he's gone in, in in the NFL. Like he's just got that prototypical NFL build. He'll be on somebody's practice roster or active roster for all of next year, I would say. The only thing he has going against him is he did sign in Buffalo and well, I mean you, uh, you might not have a quarterback who can help you out much there. Oh, that's why I said somebody's practice roster. I expect I expect him to get picked up by somebody who will make him look good. Never mind the Bills. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at the same time, it seems Buffalo's kind of excited about him because uh, he was trending in Buffalo the day he signed there. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still going to the Bills, so. Yeah, but you never know. It's, there's guys that, you know, we, we there's always, the, and there's a lot of guys signing in the NFL this year, and it's it's always an interesting dance that happens because if you sit there and you watch these guys, like, you know, Sam McGuavin, there's no surprise there. He signed with the Miami yeah. Dolphins. We wish him nothing but the best of luck. Um, I think at the very least, he's one of those guys that can play a role. He can do a special teams. He can do something for the Miami Dolphins yeah. next year. So I don't imagine he'll be back at all next year, maybe at some point in his career, but... Not right away. He's one of those guys. He's he fits kind of that Brian Peters mold where he's able to do different things, and he's a little better than Brian Peters, obviously. But yeah, he, he has that build where he can do that. 
And so, you know, we're still waiting kind of what's going to happen with Willie Jefferson and a few other names. And we'll see Jefferson's kind of hinted at he's going to be picky. It has to be like a real opportunity for him. Otherwise, it sounds like he's basically going to re-sign in Saskatchewan. Which, if you're Chris Jones and the Riders, you're really hoping that because you need some kind of continuity. And if it's the defensive line, because Zach Evans has already re-signed. Uh, you have Charleston Hughes under contract, and if you can bring back Willie Jefferson, okay, there's a the start of the core of your team once again in 2019, yeah. and you kind of build out from there. But it's interesting overall because there's it seems like there's a lot of guys signing in the NFL this year, more so than usual. And whether they actually stick or not is always an interesting question because you see a large majority of them do tend to get cut. And it's unfortunate because I think a lot of these guys are really good football players, and a lot of them really should be in the NFL. But it comes back to a rule change the NFL made a few years ago where you're allowed to bring 90 players to camp and you basically don't have to cut anyone until the last day now. Yeah. So you have these massive camps and you have like basically, I don't even know, the number 90 times 32, whatever that works out to. That's so many spots that you need to fill. And it's a lot easier kind of to fill out the bottom end of your training camp with guys who have already been professional football players that can kind of come in a little cheap that will you know, push your rookies a little bit on top of giving your veterans some rest. So it's like, okay, these guys are, you know, they know what it takes to be a professional athlete. We don't have to train them, but we're still not yeah. really thinking about them long-term. Yeah, no, they're training camp bodies. I mean, um, because I have my laptop open, I can tell you that 90 times 32 is 2,880. Yeah, and then I'm sure, I don't know the exact NFL training camp rules. There's probably some down, some guys that don't count like they do in the CFL. I, I yeah. imagine like draft picks or some, there must be some loophole somewhere where a few players don't count. So you can probably round it up to like a hundred players per team in camp in some form or another at one point or another. Then you're looking at like 3,200 players. So yeah, they're going to have to find guys from places. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it interesting too. And, and I forget where I read this and I wish I could give them credit because I, I do think there is something to it that, Everybody that's played in the CFL knows that the labor dispute, if if the last one was any indication at all, I think this one's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to cost games this season. I think it's going to be nasty. I think there will be an extended player strike or lockout heading into this CFL season. So if you are one of these fringe guys those guys that are being used to to fill out the training camp roster maybe rather than waiting for a real opportunity this is the year you give it a shot because you'd rather play than not you'd at least rather get some time in training camp so yeah i i think that that's that's certainly a fair assumption i think that's something that might be going on in a few cases is there's a few names that you're like oh did not expect him to go but cool and good luck and when i when i state what i said I don't necessarily think that that means that all these guys are going to get cut and that I want them all to get cut and they all should get cut because they're all just training camp bodies and who cares and no CFLer should ever go to the NFL because of it. 100%, I'd love to see 100% of those guys make rosters. I think it, oh, it would oh, be absolutely. It would be amazing for the league going forward, especially with increased competition out there in the marketplace for professional players with the AAF kicking off after the Super Bowl. And even though I don't think it's that credible, the XFL next year, I, I, I don't see that really being a threat, especially... No. They're, like, they're going into New York again. Like, why? Why are you doing that? And, yeah, then, well, why, and, then, and, and then you have this, and, sorry, this Liberty or Freedom League, which is definitely is not going to stand a chance. No, no, ab- absolutely not. And, and it's funny, the only of the leagues you mention 
And with the labor uncertainty, I think the only one that, that, that even poses any realistic, I shouldn't say threat, but viable option for these guys is, 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 is the AAF. Because they're yeah. going into smaller centers. They're going into places that don't already have pro teams. Like, it, like as an aside, the XFL, New York doesn't need another team. Los no. Angeles barely shows up for the Chargers and Rams, two of the best teams, to, <laughs> two of the most exciting teams in the NFL. A legit LA Super Bowl matchup this year. Like Exactly. You could have an all-LA <laughs> Super Bowl from two teams that nobody seems to give a, a, a damn about. Like, it, uh, so... <laughs> I do think that that these guys are are, are going to have more options. There is going to be more competition, and, and the NFL is going to want to look at guys from a league that they have traditionally taken a long look at, that they've got a bit of a partnership with, and in, in the CFL. So maybe that's why the influx, or it's maybe you know with the advent of technology and high definition streaming, and you know if you're an NFL scout. You don't have to make it to every single CFL game to see a guy that's real good. You can stream, you know, your CFL on your ESPN3 in high def and at least get a couple of looks at a guy before you make the trip, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's got... And, and, that the te- and the technology too. exists on a player level where they have all their game film and they're able to produce tapes that they send out now that they couldn't before. It's a, lot of, it's it's a, heck, it's, can... it's a heck of a lot easier for a player to make a demo reel than they could before. Oh, it's remarkable. I mean, like, we're talking about, like, even when I was working uh, U-sports in junior football, there were some guys on huddle you could see every play. It was remarkable stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, we talked about this a little bit before I hit record. I do have a little bit of a tinfoil hat theory about this one. It does apply to the CFL, the AAF, and the NFL. And I'm not really Ooh. sure how much I really believe it. It just feels like it's a thought that crossed my mind once, and I was like, huh, maybe. Because you talked about it. There is a there is a bit of an existing working relationship between the NFL and the CFL. There's no, like, yes. signed agreement. There's nothing specific that says they're really working together. But there is kind of a bit of an understanding between the two leagues. And you can definitely see it in terms of there seems to be a lot of the same teams that really respect the CFL and sign teams over and over again. You look at like the Indianapolis Colts and the New York Jets, and yeah. there's just certain teams that really seem to really scout and look hard in the NFL. So I know it all comes around now. I remember going to the Ryder preseason game, and there were three NFL, the three New York Jet scouts at that game. That was a CFL yeah. preseason game. So that shows you how much the Jets value and look at the CFL as a potential spot for talent. And so it got me thinking. I, I'd say I'd say the Chicago Bears as well. I mean, yeah. you already look what they've signed a couple of guys as well. I mean, Henry Burris got to start with them back in the day. So, mm-hmm. so, so it, it got me thinking. What if there's a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on around here, and not that like Roger Goodell or someone is behind this. That's a little too high up the chain. But what if there's some yeah. people around there who say, you know what, we love the CFL. They've been able to unearth some talent for us over the years. Let's throw them a bit of a bone and sign a bunch of their players this year ahead of the launch of this AAF. So it would maybe make some Americans think, huh, maybe this league actually really is for real, because it is, and we should go. We should give them another look rather than just assuming we're going to go to the AAF if our NCAA shot does not turn into the NFL. Yeah, and I, I, I think you might. It's not so tinfoil hat is half the stuff i've ever said on this podcast no but i mean by my standards that's pretty out there 
<laughs> you 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 are you are the straight man of this podcast, that's for sure. But uh, I think you are onto something. I do think it is sending a message to everybody about the quality of, of CFL players, especially if and and like and like you and I both think that it has the potential to stick a whole bunch that a whole bunch of these guys have the potential to stick. So Max wants to know why they're going to stick. Yeah. That's right. They're going to stick because they're great football players, Max. Just like your favorite team. The Who's your favorite football team? Go Riders? Okay. Uh, his favorite football team is Connor Hellbuck. Okay. Um, well, that works, I guess. But, yes, with, with the quality of some of these guys and the quality of the league, I can I can definitely see a lot of these guys sticking in, in the NFL and – you know, you and I said that, hey, we hope they're not training camp bodies. And I think that would send a huge message to all these other developmental leagues. And if you're a player and you watch, okay, let's say 20 guys go down to the NFL and 15 stick. You know, would you rather sign a place that has a good track record of sending guys back to the NFL? Or would you rather sign from, you know, a league that's barely gotten its its itself up and running? Yeah, a league that's also existed for like 110 years. Yeah. And you know it's going to be around. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you know, as much as we talk up the AAF, and it looks like the first real credible shot at a second professional league in the United States, history still suggests that this thing could flop. Oh, it could burn burn down spectacularly. It could explode and crumble and look like another XFL. And next thing you know, we'll be watching a thirty for thirty many years down the road. What happened to the AAF? And after that, it'll be the thirty for thirty. What happened to John Fraser? He was replaced by his son, Max. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.